0: Welcome to episode 53 of EIU Panthers podcast. I'm your host Rich Moser. With the ever-changing landscape in college athletics, our guest this week is well-versed on the topic as we visit with Angie Jaber. Jaber, then Angie Russell, played basketball at Eastern Illinois before a career as a college basketball coach and is now the Senior Associate Athletic Director and Senior Woman Administrator at Siena College. During our episode today, we talked to Jaber about her experiences as a student-athlete here at EIU and how those helped mold her into the administrator she has become today. We also touch on some of the hot-button topics in college athletics on this week's episode. We are now in Season 2 of EIU Panthers Podcast, and if you want to hear previous episodes, then follow us and listen or download wherever you get your favorite podcast. You can search EIU Panthers Podcasts on Apple Podcasts SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and iHeartRadio podcasts. Consolidated Communications is a proud sponsor of Eastern Illinois Athletics. Want to learn more about the future of broadband for your home or business? Visit consolidated.com today. This week in EIU Athletics, the men's soccer, volleyball, and football teams all get started with regular season action while the women's soccer team hits the road for week two of its season. The volleyball team is hosting the EIU Panther Invitational with matches at first midcourt at Arena on Friday and Saturday. The football team plays a week zero contest on Saturday night at Indiana State. And after a trip to Xavier on Friday night, the men's soccer team hosts Milwaukee at home on Monday. To stay up to date on the latest news, scores, and stats for all of EIU's athletics teams, visit EIUpanthers.com, the official athletics site of Eastern Illinois Athletics out of this week's episode of EIU Panthers Podcast with former EIU women's basketball player, Angie Jaber. And welcome to another edition of EIU Panthers Podcast. We're joined now by Angie Jaber, and I'm going to say that name, and nobody's going to know what that last name is because the last name they would know my guest by would be Angie Russell when she played basketball for the Panthers back in the late 1990s, early 2000s. Thanks for having me. So we'll we'll kind of jump right into it. And we were talking here before we, we jumped on the podcast. You are now in athletic administration. You work at Siena College, which is in New York. And I, I think if I look correctly, it is in the Albany area, which would be upstate New York. But I, I think for depending geography, and this will make sense to people around here. And you went to school at Eastern and. In Illinois, anything south of I-80 is considered downstate Illinois. My feeling is in New York, anything not in Manhattan or New York City is probably upstate New York.
1: Yeah, we're consider- considered upstate, the capital region, as, as we like to call it. So, yeah, getting acclimated to the to the area and uh, loving it so far.
0: And you've been there for a, a number of years and in, in your role now, and we're going to talk a little bit about this, what was intrigued me in, with you being a guest today, is that Division One athletics has changed so much. You you were a coach in the profession. You're now on the administrative side. So during our podcast, they will talk about some of those things. But we'll, we'll kind of go back. We'll start with sometimes what I do with the people is take you back down memory lane. You played here here at Eastern. Unique for you, you you played for two different coaches. You were recruit, recruited and coached at first by John Klein, ended but with Linda Wonder. I guess from from that perspective, having been through that, what is that like going through a a coaching change when you're a player?
1: (laughs) You know, it was tough. Um, Being very honest, it was a a big adjustment. Um, Coach Klein, you know, as you mentioned, recruited me. I built the relationship with him. Um, he was very much about, you know, family. And I remember he would call my house in Wisconsin and he would ask how my brother was. And, and, and that, would, that resonated with me. And that is, you know, one of the reasons I chose Eastern Illinois. So, um, you know, as a student athlete, you often don't understand the, the business side of it. You don't understand the winning side of it. You just know you like your coach. Um, so when we got word that coach Klein was not going to be coming back, that was hard. Um, and coach wonder was completely, um, different personality. Um, I I would say, you know, more, she demanded more of us, um, which now looking back was a good thing. Um, it was transformational in my life and, um, I had some really, you know, good conversations with coach wonder where i was you know kind of like the team spokesperson and told her like this is hard for us um this is a big change for us some of us are really struggling with this um and i remember she said to me angie you know thanks for having the courage to come in here um just stick with me and and this was my junior year when her and i had that difficult conversation and i i refer to that experience a lot Because I remember talking with my dad about transferring and I remember him saying to me, you got to go in and talk to her. You got to, you know, sit down and look at her face to face and, and have a tough conversation. And I did. And I'm so glad I stayed, um, because I learned resilience and I learned, um, you know, the, the, the power of, um, of working hard and, and getting some rewards out of it. I mean, we had some great moments under Coach Wonder, um, my two years that I played for her. So, um, but I'll, you know, I'll also say as an athletic administrator now, having gone through that, I think it gives me a better insight into how life-changing coaching changes are yeah. for everybody. I mean, there, it, it impacts lives, and so you know, that's something now as an administrator that um, that I think I have a, a better understanding of because I went through it as a student athlete.
0: Yeah, I think when you're that 18 or 19 year old kid, all you know is that the coach I'm comfortable with is not in here, here anymore. And is this going to be fair when that new coach comes in? And so that'll kind of lead me in my next question. I've been here. You've been through this, talked about, you've done coaching changes as a player on that side. Sometimes I see that coach, that individual players, sometimes their game benefits because a new coach is their game is more tailored to them. Did you feel that maybe you were in that situation or did you feel that the new offense, the new style that the coach wonder was going to run maybe didn't fit your skill set, but you still wanted to work hard and persevere through it.
1: Yeah. You know, she was a, an X's and O's, um, genius. I mean, she, the plays that she ran, I mean, our playbook was, I, I think I still have it somewhere because <laughs> I, I thought it was amazing. And I used it when I was a coach, I stole, I stole her plays and I put them in when I was coaching because they worked to perfection. Right. So we were, um, you know, I, I obviously our talent level wasn't where it needed to be because we weren't able to be successful, um, you know, under Coach Klein. So I think her approach of putting in set plays and manufacturing points, so to speak, okay. uh, was the right, probably the right, the right thing. Um, and I do think she put me in positions to be successful. Um, you know, I was not an offensive machine. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was a role player. Um, so, you know, it was her job to put me in positions where I could be successful. And she did that, you know, she did that very well. I think with her X's and O's, um, expertise.
0: Now we talk about that. A lot of times people get the education degree here. I've had a lot of former athletes go on to do coaching in a different number of roles. You first went into coaching before you got into your current role as an athletic administrator. When did you kind of get that coaching bug is that something you kind of knew early on here at eastern and you kind of tailored you would sit down with coach wonder and coach klein and kind of pick their brain because you knew this is what i wanted to do or like some other coaches did did this come late because i didn't want to go get a real job and work nine to five
1: yeah i think the latter i i think i wanted to stay involved in college athletics and when i when i left eastern i was fortunate enough to start my master's at eastern um, I graduated in three and a half years there. So I started my master's at Eastern and then I finished my master's at the University of wisconsin lacrosse um, which is where I'm from. And I got a taste of coaching being a graduate assistant, which I think was a great experience. So, um, you know, wanting to finish my master's provided me an opportunity to be a graduate assistant. And then after my graduate assistant was done in athletic administration, I was like, you know what, I kind of like this coaching thing. Let me, let me try this for a little bit. So that's, I know it was, I I really didn't make the decision until I was in grad school that I wanted to keep going with basketball for a little bit.
0: And then you, you went into coaching where we're an assistant coach at several different places at at several different levels. Now that you look back on it, you've been in administration for about 10 years, a little bit more than that, which we will transition to here in a few minutes. But Looking back, having coached at those different levels, is there something you kind of learned at each one of those levels going through and you kind of took those baby steps to get to where you're at today?
1: You know, I think so much of athletics is about relationships. And I'm not sure if you you caught this, but the coach that gave me my first division one coaching job was Kate Peterson. Okay. Kate recruited me to Eastern Illinois. Kate was an assistant on John Klein's staff. Okay before she went to the university of Wisconsin as an assistant coach. So I never got to play for Kate, but she recruited me to Eastern, um, and then left, but I kept in touch with her. And then several years later, she offered me my first division one assistant job at Cleveland state. Okay. So I think, you know, learning, um, when you find those people in your life who, um, you know, resonate with you and who you connect with, um, you know, we tell our student athletes all the time, stay in touch with them. Uh, and I did that with, with Coach P, as we called her, Coach P, and, um, and now she's, uh, and she was the head coach at Cleveland State for several years. And now she's um, actually in Wisconsin um, in an administrative role um, with the WIAA. So, you know, the power of relationships is something that that I think I definitely learned along the way.
0: I think you, you might just touch on this, but I'll, but I'll kind of ask this question anyway. You talked about relationships or what gets you to a place. Coach Pete, as you mentioned, is who recruited you to Eastern. What is it that sold you about coming to Eastern Illinois? You, you've mentioned already that you're you're from Wisconsin I know there's not a lot of division one opportunities in the state of Wisconsin is was that maybe one of the things that that helped steer you towards Eastern or was there something else that kind of sold you And this is where I want to go play.
1: Yeah, you know when we visited Eastern. um, It felt it felt I felt comfortable there, I think the statue in front of um, Lance, is it still called Lance?
0: Yep, yep, it is. (laughs) Um,
1: The women's basketball player in its statue um, was really powerful for me. Um, I thought that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. And the meetings, the folks that we met with uh, when I was there on my visit, um, Coach Klein, of course, and his staff, but I remember some of the other people, the um, academic advisor. And I think I met with the faculty athletics rep and I can't remember all their names, um, but the people are what makes a place. And Eastern, from the minute you know, not very long after we set foot on campus, there it just felt like home. And everybody that we spoke with, and 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 it ended up coming to fruition, right? Because um, throughout my four years there, um, that in that first impression um, continued. A, you know to be accurate for my whole four years so it wasn't like we were sold a bill of goods I mean what you saw was what you got and um, it was a no-brainer for me.
0: Now interesting you say that is that are those life lessons you got into coaching then are those things you tried to then mold when you were out there recruiting young ladies to come play for you and basketball at the different stops that you had along the way?
1: Yeah you know um, I, I, I think it's all about finding the right fit. And Eastern was the right fit for me. And what I learned really on really early on as a coach is, you know, if you aren't transparent about your school or your program or what have you, it's not good for either party, right? You don't want to recruit somebody that's going to leave after a year because that's an investment of time and resources that you can't get back. And, from the student athlete perspective, I mean, they you, they you don't want them to go someplace where they don't want to be because they won't be happy there. So I think just being open and transparent about this is what, you know, this is who we are. Um, this is how we do things here. If, if that's not a fit for you, that's okay. I think where people get into trouble and where student athletes and families, quite frankly, aren't, are not our struggle with the recruiting process is when you're trying to sell, 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 sell. And um and then you know a year later you have two unhappy parties right because the coach is unhappy and the student-athlete's unhappy and then and now now and back when i played we didn't have the portal right But now now boom they're in the portal yes i just think um honesty and transparency during the recruiting process was something that i tried to implement
0: now you were in coaching for a number of years you you moved away from it at one point time i'll drop this piece of information in there is your husband is also a, a women's basketball coach actually the, the head coach there at Siena. at some point in time you guys probably i'm guessing were married and decided that made a family decision where you wanted to move out of the coaching what was that conversation like with him i can't imagine having two coaches in the same sport living in the same house
1: well actually that decision was made a long time before jim and i got married okay um, Okay. Yeah. So I was very fortunate to um, have an athletic director at the University of Dayton. His name was Tim Wobbler. And he, I had shared with him my intent to get into administration. Um, And he, you know, one day he came to me and he said, hey, our SWA is um, stepping away. She's going to take a position outside of athletics. I'm splitting the position in two. um, So you should apply. And at the time, I was an assistant coach. Um, I think it was February, and I applied. Um, and he and I had a conversation about, "Hey, what do you want to do? Um, you can do the tickets. You can sell tickets. Obviously, you know, ticket sales at the University of Dayton is a is a huge, you know, thing because yep. it's responsible for a lot of the revenue generation." He said, "Or you can do the um, the business, the business function, the director of business." And I had minimal experience in Excel, Microsoft Excel, (laughs) and I had no experience in ticket sales. And I said, well, Tim, I I don't know. Um, And I I said, I'm I'm not really good at either one of those things. Um, And he said something which I've shared my entire career, and I think it's really important, is he said, I can teach you that stuff. Um, I, I know, you know, who you are, and that's more important than the skill set that you have right now. I'll yes. teach you, I'll teach you that. And he said, by the way, if you want to be an athletic director, you need to understand the numbers. So that's the drought I ended ended up going. Um, I went out that night and I bought a bunch of Microsoft Excel for Dummies books. <laughs> and I, you know, it's funny because um I used to joke with a colleague at Dayton that serving as the director of business was kind of like a rite of passage into assistant AD, associate AD positions that I eventually moved up into. So it was, you know, it was painful. I mean, I would equate it to, I would equate doing my first EADA to um, doing my first scouting report. It's like terrifying, you know, and and you're just staring at uh, the Excel spreadsheet. Um, But uh, it was a great experience. I'm so glad I did it. At the time, I think we had like a $25 million operating budget, so I got brought up to speed very quickly on the inner workings of a, you know, the business side of a of a Division One athletic department. And um, so that's how I how I made my transition. And um, I, I was just fortunate that I had an athletic director that was willing to take a chance on me, so to speak.
0: Well, I didn't, I didn't know the, the timeline there, but that leads me in kind of. One of the other questions I have is, coaches move, administrators move. Coaches seem to move a lot more frequently, sometimes by their own choice, sometimes not by their own choice, than athletic administrators do. You and your husband have moved to several different locations. What are those conversations like? Or, and I don't want to say you're you're chasing one of job over over the other, but I'm sure those are hard decisions. You guys have to sit down and make, and as a family, and what are those conversations kind of like?
1: Yeah, they are, they are tough, you know, when, um, when Jim accepted the job at Florida Atlantic, um, I stayed on at Dayton um, for five or six months, um, trying to secure a job down in South Florida, um, which I eventually was able to do with with some again the, some relationships that I had built in the Atlantic Ten and folks from the Atlantic Ten that had moved down to Florida. Um, the commissioner of the Sunshine State Conference, Ed Pasquay, used to work at the Atlantic Ten office. So again, it was the power of relationships. But um, yeah, I mean, it was it was tough. And you know, I guess I and I've again I've shared this with young professionals is. Um, you have to believe in yourself and you have to believe that you know you'll something will work out right so it's t- it's taking a leap of faith it's extremely difficult to have two people in college athletics and end up in the same um, city uh, the same state uh, and now the same school I mean how blessed are we to both be at Siena College and so um, yeah those those are um, conversations that you know we have, and. The thing about Jim is, if there came a time when you know it was the right move for me um, to move, you know, we would have that conversation as well. So, um, just very thankful that we are, like I said, blessed to be at the same place right now.
0: Now you were at Sienna there. You were on their senior administrative staff, and i I know titles change sometimes, so I'll let you give the, the official title. I know you are the the senior woman administrator, but I, I think you have some other duties there as well, kind of, we'll give everybody, lets you get them up to speed on, on kind of your official role there at Siena.
1: Yep. So I'm um, Senior Associate Athletics Director, and I oversee uh, compliance, academics, sports medicine, strength and conditioning. Um, I have a number of sports um, that I work directly with um, as the sport program administrator. Um, and then as you alluded to, the senior woman administrator. So quite, quite a few hats that we wear here.
0: Now, Sienna there, I think you guys are probably, if not back in school, you'll be getting back in school here shortly. You guys went through COVID like everybody else last year. What was that like That, in terms of having to weather that storm? What what kind of policies being in the state of New York? New York was one of the, I don't want, I don't, depending on what political side of the the realm you're on, I would say leader. Some people are going to say a, a, not a leader, but they were very active in, in being proactive on COVID protocols and, and things like that, very much like Illinois. What was that year like for you guys there at Siena having to go through that stuff?
1: Well, I'm not sure if I told you but so we we just got here in May.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: Yeah, so we so we were down in Florida last year during all this. Um, but I can tell you from, you know, the school that I was at last year, Lynn University,
0: okay, Division
1: II school in Boca Raton, um, you know, it was, it was a a challenge and, and I've quickly been brought up to speed on the challenges that they had here, um, at Sienna. I think the biggest difference was, you know, last year where I was, we weren't able to compete in basketball, um, you know, division two, um, and a lot of, frankly, a lot of division one schools, you know, we did not have the resources to, um, you know, Follow the NCAA resocialization guidelines or recommendations when it came to testing. Yeah. Um, and, and so we made a decision as a conference not uh not to participate in certain sports and to play kind of a truncated season, um in in a lot of sports. So you know here um our the MAC conference actually uh, the presidents of the MAC decided to require vaccinations. Um, for all student-athletes to, to compete this year unless you have an exemption. Okay. Um, so, you know, it's kind of made our jobs a little bit easier because it's a conference-wide um, decision, and so we're simply, you know, herding cats and yep. <laughs> making sure that all the student-athletes have uploaded their vaccination cards and um, yeah, so the things you know, we've just like you have, we started our, our fall sports and um, things are you know are going well so far. But obviously, you know, there's just daily changes and this is you know the world that we're living in right now. So we just have to um, be nimble
0: and adapt and adjust. Now you mentioned that I did not know that you had just gotten from from Lynn there, but it, it's interesting that you moved from a Division two to a Division one. You, you probably went at the I guess the the perfect time of the storm here and the, everything that's going on in the NCAA, we've already alluded to the transfer portal. When you were division two, now you're back at division one. How much did that impact division two? Is that a different mindset that people at division one just aren't even thinking about it at our level? All you hear about is we're losing a kid in the portal. We're losing a kid in the portal. And I've never really, I guess, thought about it from there are, you know, what another six or 700 schools in division two and division three that are also in these types of situations.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's different, different challenges. So at division two, you know, our coaches would be worried about having an athlete perform really well and then having them go to a division one school, just no, not, not unlike having a mid-major division one perform really well and go to a BCS level. Um, But I think, I think what you, what you lost a lot with, with the portal for division two schools was the student athlete who maybe didn't have the level of success at division one that they would have liked and found a a home and a, and a good place at division two. Because, you know, there are. Our, our Our conference, for example, that I was uh, Lynn was a part of it's a very competitive division two conference and. Um, quite frankly, it was it was the best place for some student athletes to be at that level, but what you saw was well i'm not going to go you know to division two i'm just going to put myself in the division one portal and then, sadly, you found a lot of student athletes that were in the portal and never got picked up yeah so. You know, I, I think it's made life more challenging for Division two for, for certain. Yeah,
0: I started my career in, in Division two, and I we, some of our better players were guys that were would have been, you know, player number 10, 11, 12 on a Division one roster and the portal wasn't available then. So they weren't just looking and they wanted to continue to play. So I'll, it'll be interesting over the next handful of years is how that dynamic changes and does it really have a an unintended effect on the level of competition at division two and not a lot of guys go to division three but some do drop down to that level.
1: Yeah and you know it's all about finding the, the best fit um, and division two is kind of in the middle because there are scholarships um, but majority of the student athletes are not on scholarship or very minimal scholarship um, and then division three which you know I I spent a few years in as, as well and It's it's great. I mean, there's a certain you know purity and um, and I loved I love Division three. So I'm I'm kind of fortunate because I've been I've either coached or played or administrated at all at all levels. So I've kind of seen it all.
0: Now the other the big I guess elephant in the room, for lack of a better term, right now is NIL in the area you talk about. There you oversee compliance. You oversee some of the other things that's right in the wheelhouse of uh, of what you're having to deal with. We had on our podcast, our director of compliance on before NIL really got sold and, and was moving forward. As you're now getting settled there at Siena, you've got this whole new challenge. Is that one of the first things you really had to tackle there in your new, in your new role?
1: Yeah. I mean, it was, it was fully immersed into NIL the minute I started. And, you know, I I think it's so great for the student athletes. I I joke um, with some people that are in the industry around my same age that when we played, um, we weren't even allowed to have cream cheese on our bagels. (laughs) It was considered an added benefit. Um, And when I coached, I mean, I used to bother our compliance people nonstop with, can I do this, can I do this, can I do, you know, all these creative ways. Um, and now they can receive, you know, compensation, um, which is which is great. And so you try to provide them resources um, so that they, when those opportunities come along, they're prepared um, as far as you know financial literacy and understanding, you know, tax laws and understanding contract law. Um, so we're working with our. Um, with our partners here on campus to try to provide some of that ongoing education, um, so that when they do have an opportunity or they're you know looking for those opportunities that they're prepared. Um, so whether it's something as small as you know signing an autograph or going to a birthday party or giving a lesson, or whether it's you know um, entering into a written agreement with a company or or business in town, just making sure that they have all of the information that they need to make the best possible choice.
0: Now, I know it's still it's an, in its infancy, but I, I saw a, a snippet of an article that was written, I think it was in the, the D1 ticker, you, you probably get this as well, and it, it talked about how they were hoping that the NIL would level the playing field a little bit between some maybe gender inequality, but they don't feel that that may be happening here in the, the early stages of it without having football at Siena, and I know that that's a lot of times the big caveat, have you noticed that it's somewhat balanced in in the number of athletes and maybe even the sports that that are being attracted there as student athletes to be representatives?
1: You know, I would, I haven't seen a large discrepancy. Um, You know, we've had a couple student athletes who have signed, you know, ventured into agreements you know, I, I think there's a lot of interest. Um, I think I read something the other day where like the average division one compensation so far has been like $400 um, across the board, some, somewhere around $400. So, you know, we've, we've had a fair number of, of both. Um, I haven't seen a, a, a huge discrepancy. Um, I, I know that from a interest level, um, you know, it's, it's pretty even. Um, yeah. I think, I think everyone's very interested in, you know, having opportunities. I think what, what we're, you know, kind of working with them on is how do you, you know, how do you approach a prospective employer yeah. um, and, and how do you have that conversation and how can you, you know, convey the value that you have to bring? It's, it's, you know, it's, it's funny. A lot of times it, it kind of reminds me of when, I'm looking at student athletes' resumes and I, and I you know, am, am giving them advice on how to fine tune their resumes. And they'll say to me, you know, Angie, I don't, I don't really have any skills to put down on my resume. And I'm like, you've been a college athlete for yeah. four years. You know, you've got a ton of transferable skills. And so I think in that way as well, this is sort of giving our student athletes a preview of what, you know, it will look like when they go out looking for jobs and how they can sell themselves, um, so to speak. So I, 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 think as far as gender equity, I've, I've seen, interest from both, from both genders.
0: Now the other big topic nowadays seems to be conference realignment. The for the average fan, they may not know that even at the Division One level, there are essentially tiers. I would say there are four tiers of Division One athletics, even though there's only technically. Three, there would be what we would call the power five the bcs the sec making a lot of noise lately then there would be the other fbs schools the mid-america conference sunbelt football championship and then what i would is called what division one triple which is what cnn is that's essentially schools that do not have football but play at division one how as you guys are looking at this and you see the the power football schools kind of making decisions and dominating the headlines. What kind of conversations are you guys having to have in your department to realize that, you know, how is this model gonna shift here in the next number of years and kind of where can we be standing when it's set and done? You
1: know, I think the best thing you can do, and I know it sounds generic and cliche, is just focus on being the best you can be um, in the conference that you're in. Um, at the sports that you offer and, you know, everything else takes care of itself. Um, you know, whether it was the university of Dayton, I mean, there was constant speculation about the big East, um, you know, and, and so this is it's, and that was what a decade ago yeah. that I was there. So, you know, it's, it's, there's always going to be movement um, and, and you just need to, to fo- It's just like we tell our coaches and student athletes, just do the best you can. Be the most successful you can at the sport, you know, at what you have to do with the task at hand and let the chips, you know, fall fall where they may.
0: Now, as we're getting ready to wrap up, I do appreciate Angie Jaber being our, our guest here. She is the Senior Associate Athletic Director, Senior Women Administrator at Siena College, a former EIU women's basketball player. It's been a, a good conversation here. As you now have been in administration for a number of years, have done coaching and been a student athlete how do you feel that that student athlete experience helped shape you and maybe even the coaching for some of the decisions that you now make when you sit in the administrator chair?
1: I just think that there's no substitute for experience. And you know, this, you know, from, from, from being a student athlete and from being a coach, it just gives you a certain level of credibility when you're talking with the coaches you oversee. Uh, when you're talking with student athletes. And now, you know, I'm, I'm having to say, well, I'm, you know, 20 years ago when I, but, but it's just, it's just something when you can say that you've been in their shoes and you understand how they feel. It's just, it's all about the relationships. It's all about um, having been there, done that. And though many things have changed since I was a student athlete and since I was a coach, I mean, we were talking before we got on, there was no transfer portal when I coached. So it's totally different. And when I'm listening to my men's basketball coach talk about the transfer portal, you know um, I'm learning a lot, listening to him. Um, And that's, you know, another big piece of it. But for me, I just have such amazing memories of the relationships that I built at Eastern. And, you know, we, we talked about Henry, Um, Dahmer Cant and his amazing success with the Bulls. And, um, you know, one of my former teammates, um, Renee Shaw, who was our point guard on my team, she, um, you know, we took a picture in in front of the Michael Jordan statue, um, you know, and and she's a huge Bulls fan. And, you know, Henry, I still remember Henry as a freshman, know, walking around the gym, talking about how, you know, coach Painter was so mean and coach Samuels was so tough on him. And, 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 and even, you know, like Tony Romo, um, he was in my classes when I was there at Eastern. And, um, and so I just, you know, I'm so, um, appreciative of the, the relationships that I made at Eastern. And, you know, if I was a student athlete there now, I'd probably be, uh, over at what's Cooking. Um do they still have What's Cooking?
0: It is the 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 What's Cooking is not there anymore. The the building is there another uh company bought it and still does breakfast. That's where everybody still goes for breakfast. It's just not called that anymore though. Do
1: they still have the strawberry bread?
0: They still have strawberry oh, bread, yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> I was going to say if they don't have the strawberry bread. Yes, they I'll...
0: still have the strawberry bread. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Um but no, I mean it's it's, um, it's the relationships. And um, like I said, Eastern, that's, that, that's what it was about for me. And that's what, you know, has been, I've been, I attribute any, any and all success I have or will have to the power of, of relationships. And, um, and that all started, you know, at Eastern for me. So thanks for, thanks for having me and thanks for remembering me. And um, it's just, it's great to connect and reminisce.
0: I appreciate it. Our guest on this episode of EIU Panthers podcast has been Angie Jaber. Thanks for joining us, Angie. Thank you.